0: Last week we began a, a, a series on scripture disciplines, and we looked at one that is known but often overlooked, called meditation. Meditation not being the new age concept of trying to empty yourself, uh, empty your mind, and um, uh, uh, saying mantras and things of that nature, rather biblical meditation is filling yourself in God's word for God's purposes. And I gave you the assignment, some of you who were willing to try to read one verse a day and really focus on that verse and read it throughout the day. Read it uh, morning, noon, and night. Read it all the time. Bring your Bible with you uh, and have it constantly refreshed. Not just speed through the verse, but really ingest it and digest it. Chew it well so you don't choke it. Um, then I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I know some of you have told me you did this this week. Some of you said you had your whole family do this this week. And I continue to do this the past week. And it is um, taking God's word in that way is dynamic and powerful. But the next spiritual discipline we're going to look at uh, is one of the ones that has been talked about the most. Whereas last week, meditation isn't talked about a whole lot, at least in the biblical sense. The one we're going to look at this week is talked about maybe the most out of all of them. And that's prayer. Prayer. Uh, R.A. Torrey was a friend of the great evangelist D.L. Moody, who was in the late 1800s and saw hundreds of thousands of people get saved. And speaking of D.L. Moody's prayer life, Torrey said, Prayer can do anything God can do. Prayer can do anything that God can do, which is also feeding right off. Of uh, something James wrote in James chapter 5, verse 16. James wrote, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And that literally means that last little phrase there. Okay, good. Did I? Okay, I didn't know if I put it in there. Thank you. Uh, That last little phrase, uh, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It literally means. The urgently active prayer of the believer is incredibly powerful. Is incredibly powerful. It's not something like today's It's not something that uh, flies by the wayside. The urgently active prayer of the believer is incredibly powerful. And oftentimes when we think of prayer, we think of prayer requests that we make to God. But prayer is, is really more than a one-sided phone call. Well, one person can't get a word in edgewise. You ever been on the phone with somebody like that? And you're constantly looking for them to take a breath, so you can say, I gotta go. And uh and have to kind to of sneak that in real quick, but you're like you're being held hostage by this device on your phone uh, that you're holding in your hand. Uh, but prayer isn't meant to be that way, a one-sided phone call. Because prayer involves speaking and listening. Let's look at 1 Samuel, chapter 3. Samuel chapter 3. Samuel was a young boy who was taken to the temple to serve God. And uh, he hasn't really had a relationship with the Lord up until this point. He's just been there doing work in and out. But then God comes to him one night and begins to speak. And was confused because he's never heard of the voice of God before. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose with Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the Lord. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it tingle." So prayer, speaking with the Lord, is a conversation. It's not something that we should just run through our list of prayer requests, say amen, and that be the cap, and we feel good about ourselves. True prayer is a conversation. and speaking and listening. If you have trouble hearing the voice of the Lord, then start with God's Word. Here's a thousand-some-odd pages of Him speaking to you. It's why we call it God's Word. He's speaking it to us. Go through it. Start the meditation process again, we did last week, and look at it and hear God speak to you, what He's saying to you. I mean, this thing that, uh, that Eli has saying or saying and saying it openly does say should be our constant attitude when we're trying to hear the voice of the Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. We need to be listening to what God is saying. But prayer is all over the Bible. It's from the Old Testament all the way back in the book of Genesis when it says and at this time the people began to be, uh, began to call on the name of God. People began to pray. Uh, Adam and Eve, they were known for walking with God in the cool of the day. Of the Lord. They walked with God and had conversations with the Lord all the way back at the very beginning. But even though prayer is thousands of years old, It is a gift from God. Jesus' disciples came to him and asked him to teach them how to pray. And Jesus did. Look at Luke chapter 11. Something many of you are familiar with. Luke chapter 11. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and in so doing, teaches us to pray as well chapter 11, verse 4. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, what his disciples said to him, Lord, Jesus to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, that section of the prayer, that's praise. He's praising God in his prayer. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. He says, your kingdom come. That's welcoming God's will no matter what. Now, I was of to focus on that one. Your kingdom comes. Welcoming God's will no matter what comes. Sometimes we struggle with what God's will really is. With any sort of difficulty we may face or struggle we may face that God may put there to build our strength up. We can pray all day long, Lord, give me strength. Well, how do we grow stronger physically? When you're under strength. That's grow stronger When you use what you got Okay, God says you want to grow stronger, I'm going to give you something to grow your strength. That's why a lot of you don't pray for patience because he's going to give you a way to exercise your patience. So when he says 13, you'll come. That's welcoming God's will no matter what. Then verse 3 there, Give us each day our daily bread. Asking for personal provision that God would provide. Knowing that you depend on him to provide everything you have. You say, well, I worked for it. I put in the effort. Yeah, who gave you the ability have you. Who gave you the body? Who gave you the muscles? Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the eyeballs? God. So realizing that He gives us everything, without Him we are nothing. Give us each there. Give that personal provision. And forgive us our, our sins. Confession. Not necessarily some general confession. Saying, God, just a gift, whatever I did, I'm not really going to think about it because I don't want to think about it, so just whatever's back there, God, it's If it's in the red, just just wipe it out. But actually being specific in our confession and acknowledging that I am the imperfect. And I need your help. Confess it. We will forgive our sins. For we ourselves forgive, what's that word? Forgive who? Who? Is there a comment in parentheses saying, except so-and-so? Except that one person who was super mean? Except that boss you don't like? Not your head, (laughs) Jerry. Thank you, you. Jerry. He was here before I was was this morning. For we ourselves forgive everyone, everyone who is indebted to us. Everyone. And lead us down to temptation. So this is mirroring God's heart. Forgive us, God, as we forgive everyone. You forgive everybody, God. Help us forgive everybody. Even people who wronged us in the way Even people who are malicious and intentional and you might call straight, ungodly, and evil. In Jesus' prayer, he's saying, Forgive them too. Forgive them too. And he says, Lead us not to temptation. So that right there, that last one, that is God help guide me today. Guide me today in where I go. So I don't intentionally go in the place I ought not to be. Sometimes we do get into trouble, but we get into trouble because we get ourselves into trouble. You say, well, I didn't get myself into trouble. Well, who are you hanging around? What are you listening to? What are you ingesting that those thoughts going that direction? Right? That stuff come out of your mouth? You, know you say, lead us not into this. God, I want to let you guide me and not all these other influences. God, I want to let you guide me and not my own sinful desires and nature. God, I want you to guide me. So God, I need your help. Shut my mouth. Please, Jesus. I need your help. Guide me. And so this is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And even though most of the time, most frequently, prayer that we offer to the Lord uh, includes our well, many times maybe not many times maybe sometimes God says no anybody ever hear God say no? sometimes God says no for our own benefit I'll tell you for our own benefit because he's a lot wiser than we are but when God says no it's not arbitrary even if it's no maybe it's not yet that everyone who prays will experience at one point or another God saying, You know, I'm not doing that. And in hindsight, if we're honest with ourselves, we should be extremely thankful that God tells us no. Uh, because if we got everything we pray for, I know if I got everything I prayed for, my life would be all kinds of screwed up.
1: Because then I'm basing my
0: life off of my will and what I want, rather than basing my life off of God's will and he Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Another familiar passage of God saying no. God saying no to the great apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the Revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now before we move on. Paul says that he's having great revelation. God is speaking to him in phenomenal ways. And he calls and so because of that he receives authority in the flesh. He calls this thing a messenger of Satan. But look at the verse again. Does Paul ever say in the verse who gave him authority in the flesh? He doesn't say he, it. he just says I was given this thing. He called it a messenger of Satan because it caused him so much pain Some people think it was a physical manifestation, it was a health issue. Some people think it was another person that was a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, although he's a messenger of Satan, look around room. Uh, but he says, I was given this thing, and as we're going to see, whether or not God was who in this, God allowed him to receive it because of what he was going to do for him. Look at verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now, again, if you've been here, long, you've heard me say, in this specific passage, that phrase three times, that doesn't mean pre individual prayers. That means seasons of life, that means months, maybe years. Three sections of time. He's begging God for extended periods to remove this thing. He's begging, and Paul. Paul, who prayed a man back to life, he was dead. Paul, who was stoned to death and got of himself, went back into the town of the people who stoned him were. death. Paul is begging God to remove this thing from himself. I mean, God's answer in verse 9 is no. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. For my power has been perfect and weak. So God's answer to Paul was, I'm not going to give you what you want, because I should be all you need. If you rely on me, Paul, I will give you the strength to walk with this thorn in the flesh. I'm not going to give you a life where you don't need me. You rely on me, and I will guide you through it. I will give you everything you need to get through this. And so Paul hears this from God. And so what does he say? He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly on my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest in me. So for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses. I am content with insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what does Paul say? God said no. If God says that he's enough for me. Then I'm going to be so joyful in the midst of all my difficulties. Every time I feel that thorn in the flesh, I oh, thank God he's given me the strength of water. Thank God I've got the grace. I've got So next time you hear that messenger of Satan in your life, what are you going to say? Thank God he's given me the grace to deal with you. Not out loud; yeah. Might cause you some problems. <laughs> Definitely don't say that it's somebody living in your house. Um. <laughs> That would hit close to home. (laughs) So Paul prayed for a miracle. Paul prayed for a miracle, but the miracle didn't come. He wanted God to bring healing, and God said no. Paul wanted healing, but what he needed was a greater dependence on God's provision. So God said no so that Paul could be stronger. uh, God said no so Paul could be stronger. And Jesus spoke about this, about how to, to receive from the Lord what he wants to give us. In John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus teaching his disciples. He said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Abide, remain, be present in me, so if we're always present with Jesus, and his words are always present with us. That will dynamically impact our prayers. It will deepen our faith to a level of unshakability if we're present with God and allow his words to be present with us. So when Jesus says, abide in me, I mean, be with me, be present with me. Now, you can be present physically with somebody, but not be present. Don't raise your hand, have you ever been physically present with somebody whose mind is not present with you? You can be present in church and not be present with Jesus. You can be present. You can, you can get up early in the morning, have your Bible out on your lap, and, 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 and read God's Word, but not be present with Jesus. Get to the end of the page and you don't know what you read because your mind is in the place that your really eyes are going across it. But when we become present with Jesus, our faith becomes dependent on Jesus. Our faith being dependent on Jesus, then it's not dependent on whether or not we get the answers to our prayers that we want. You see, if our faith is shaken when we don't get what we want when we pray for it, if our faith is shaken when we don't get what we want when we pray for it, then our faith really isn't in God. Our faith is in us and in our will and what we want. If our faith is really in God, it will never be shaken when he says no or not yet or you're not ready. Because if our trust, our faith is in God, then our trust is in knowing he knows better than we do. But if our faith is shaken when God says, no, I'm not going to do that because if I do that, all this other stuff's going to happen. It's not it's good for you. It's not good for anybody else. If God says no and that shakes our faith, our faith is in what we think is best. If God says, I want your faith, like he said to Paul, he says, uh, My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. If I am enough, then you don't need that. The point of prayer isn't to get everything we want. One of the points of prayer is a realization of how much of God we need. And we need God for everything. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is essential. But one of the greatest struggles is prayer is often hurried and neglected in its intensity. Sometimes, even under the best intentions, we hurry through prayer because we got something else to do. We've got to get somewhere else. Our time's running out, and we got to get to there and that and this other thing. I think of it was uh, John Weston who his daily schedule was uh, scheduled to the minute of stuff he had to do to get done. And when he had extra stuff to do, he said, I have to get up extra early because I need three hours of prayer today. Because I got three hours of prayer worth of stuff to do. He knew prayer was that important. And he wouldn't ever get to the end of the day and have that stuff done the way God wanted it done if it would back it. Man, Walter Adams said this. He said, "Hurry is the death of prayer. It only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances. Hurry is the death of prayer. Sometimes you gotta say prayer quick. Sometimes you do. You gotta be quick in how you say your prayer because you don't, you don't think up until the moment. You're in the moment of something crazy. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta pray as you go. But most of the time, when we're hurrying through prayer, it's not because of that. It's because..." We feel rushed, and we got to do something else. we got to get to whatever else we got to do. So then, how can prayer be best utilized in the life of the follower of Jesus so that it's not hurried, so it's not isolated, so it's not relegated to something less than it really is? Let's look at what some of these guys in Scripture mean. Let's start in Psalm 55. David gives us an outline. In several Psalms, we're going to look at gonna Start in Psalm 55. A great King David went to a great deal. Shepherding, being not enough in his own father's house, God calls him out to be king. He kills Goliath. He does some phenomenal things for the Lord. Then he becomes king and he has a bunch of guys who were his friends trying to unseat him as king. Eventually his own son does that. And in the middle of all of that, we get some of these psalms where he writes down his emotions he's going through in the moment. And he always concludes those psalms turning back to the Lord. He talks about how things are terrible and awful and he hates life and he wants God to get that guy and knock his teeth out and take care of his children. But then, as he continues to work on in his psalm prayer, he returns to the Lord and says, Oh, Lord God, you're so graceful. gracious. Gracious, you don't do that to me. So look at what his practice was in Psalm 55, verse 16. But I called to God, and the Lord will save him. Now, before we get here, I just want to give you an example. of um, Psalm 55, he's doing that very thing I talked about a second ago. He's talking about how bad people are. How bad some of these people around him are. They're trying to get rid of him. So just look back one verse to Psalm 15. It's sitting on the screen. Psalm 15, he says, let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. That's the grave. Let them go in the grave alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. God killed them. God buried them alive. But then he had to change his heart. He says, but I talk, call to God and the Lord will save you. So all that before was his bad attitude. And now he says, but I call to God he'll save me. He'll save my attitude. He'll save my heart. He says, Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many who are arrayed against me. Because I'm up against a lot, but God is save me. I call to him. Evening, morning, and at noon. That was an ancient Jewish way of telling a 24 hour period. Starting in the evening, morning, and at noon. And every second, not talking, he didn't just offer three prayers a day. It was a constant thing. He says, all the time, I'm offering prayer. And this concept even goes back to the book of Genesis. When God said there was evening, there was morning, the second day. It's the process of the 24-hour period of time. David says, I'm offering prayer to God all the time. That's the only way God's going to save me. That's the only way my my, my attitude, my spirit is going to get out of the depths of despair. Is that if I turn to God and call to Him constantly. And this is a, a, a spirit within David that wasn't just present in Psalm 55. Let's look over to Psalm 141, verse 2. This is David again. But he had this attitude all throughout his life. Psalm 141, verse 2. David says. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hand is the evening sacrifice. Let my prayer be counted as incense. Now that that draws to mind the book of Revelation. It says in God's throne room, in God's presence are these bowls, and in the bowls are are the prayers of His followers. It calls them saints, is what it says in Revelation. Are in God's presence constantly going before the Lord as a fragrant aroma, our prayers are constantly in his presence. And so David is saying in Psalm one forty one two, let my prayer be that thing, instance of pleasing to you, just as the evening sacrifice. Let my prayer be an offering to you be that intentional, that I think about it that much, that it is an offering to you in the evening. Well, he does it in the evening, that's five in the evening. Psalm chapter 5. This is David again. David went through a lot and wrote a lot of songs. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. This is in the morning I pray and you hear me. In the morning I offer my prayer to you and you hear me. He says, And what the idea is? I offer my prayer and I just sit and wait for you to answer. I just sit and wait for you to answer. God, I offer my prayer in the morning. Again, Psalm eighty-eight. Some of y'all didn't bother in this morning. Some of y'all just gave up and looked at the screens. Psalm eighty-eight, verse thirteen. Again, this is a David though. This is. even in Ezra, not even in Israel. Psalm so eighty-eight, verse thirteen. He says, "But I, O Lord, cried you in the morning; my prayer comes before you." So we got evening, we got morning; it comes before the Lord, and God hears. But this isn't just an Old Testament concept. In Mark chapter one, Jesus did this very thing. Mark one, verse thirty-five. Jesus, who probably had more to do when he was on this earth than any of us. And the world hung in the balance for him getting to his stuff. Look what he did. Mark one thirty-five. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went off to a desolate place and there he prayed. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed. <coughs> went to a desolate place, so he by himself and he prayed. Jesus sets the example of if you really want to dive in the weeds, it, it, it'll twist your brain up the knots. But Jesus is God, and Jesus is praying to God. So Jesus is praying to himself. Setting the example for us, going early in the morning, saying, Yeah, but Jesus didn't have kids. But he had 12 disciples. You ever have kids, they kind of get older, and of young kids are difficult, older kids are yeah, yeah. And if you read about his disciples, those guys are nuts. Uh, and he's got 12 of them. So of course Jesus has to get off by himself. <laughs> he needs some time. He goes off in a desolate place. And I love There's one time he's off praying, and the disciples are frantic, and they're looking for him. And they finally find him, and Jesus, everybody's looking for you. What are you doing? And Jesus said, "I'm praying. And he packs up, and they leave. Praying by himself, when? In the morning. In the morning place. In the evening morning, Acts chapter 10. Having followed Jesus' example, we see one of his disciples out telling people about Jesus and what is he doing? Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour of prayer Now they judge their hours of the day, usually based on 6 a.m. was when the day started. So the sixth hour from 6 a.m. would be what? Noon. That's that would be noon. 6 plus 6 is 12. That would be noon. So Peter's up praying at noon. So you got evening, people are praying, you got morning, people are praying, you got noon, people are praying, just like David said in Psalm 55. Evening, morning, and at noon. But I want you to look one more time. I'll tell you, I've got three more scriptures. One more look at. Sometimes we can find ourselves pursuing the Lord more when things get crazy. When we face, face more opposition, we face more health difficulties, we face financial difficulties. We find ourselves seeking the Lord in a more desperate attempt sometimes. Look at Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, he was a prisoner of war. They had a brainwashing camp, and they ended up seeing something in him at this camp. They changed their rules. He becomes a favor of the king. King's son is ruling. God says something to the king's son that that guy is now king and doesn't understand. They said, well, get Daniel. He, he kind of speaks to <coughs> God. So they go get Daniel, Daniel comes in and says, okay, King, tonight you're gonna to die in this other country, person's gonna come in and King laughs it off but promotes Daniel to the third highest rank in the nation. Sure enough, that night, King dies. Next king who comes in learns about what went on and promotes Daniel in his regime. His new king, King Darius, sets up 120 guys of his whole kingdom that are in charge of different regions. And over those hundred and twenty guys, he sets three guys who are in charge of all them is one of those three guys. They report directly to the king. But the king has come to see something special in Daniel, it's at the hand of the Lord. Something special in Daniel, he's going to promote Daniel again. Over the three guys. So it's going to be King, Daniel, three guys, and then 120 uh, governors. But all these other guys are natives to, to, to Persia. And they don't like the idea, they don't like the idea of this foreigner being in charge of everybody. So they go to the king and get him to make a law outlining any kind of prayer to anybody but the king Thirty days, Because they know that's the only thing Daniel does. It goes to work, it goes home to praise. He goes to work, it home to praise. And so that law gets passed, and so what is Daniel? Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, which was house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day, and prayed, and gave thanks before the Lord as he had done previously. So things were crazy. Daniel knows if I go and pray, I'm going to get arrested. And in the law, it was written, if anybody prays, anybody except the king, they're going to get thrown in a den of hungry lions. And so what does Daniel do? He immediately goes and prays. Things are difficult, and he goes and prays. Did you notice the last part of the verse? As he had done previously. This wasn't some new practice that Daniel was going to do because things were hard. This was something Daniel already did. This was hardwired. This was baked into his DNA. He was gonna pray. It's like for all of us eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's baked into our DNA. If we miss lunch, something's wrong, and we're mad at the world, and we, we hate everybody. We gotta get our food in. For Daniel, if he didn't pray, everything's messed up. It's, it's who he is. And so when things got difficult, all he did, all he knew to do was to do what he was already doing. So he immediately back and prayed three times a day. Three times a day. Do you think that's significant or you think that's arbitrary? What was David doing in Psalm five? Praying, evening, morning, and noon. Again, from Matthew, three times. The angels praying that. Daniel would have access to the Psalm. Daniel would know what David wrote. And so here's Daniel doing what David did. Doing what Jesus did. Doing what Peter did. He's going and he's praying all the time. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. In the next verse he says, that's the will of God. I mean, he gives a list. his choice rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God for you. God's will for you is to pray constantly. Pray without, pray without stopping. That's praying. Pray without stopping. Pray constantly. I can't have a constant stream of thought that's always prayer. Well, that's only because you to try. You try. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta do something. In some capacity, to, to, to do that. You say, I got this prayer time, and I spend this time with the Lord, and I pray. But the thing is, we're not supposed to have a prayer time. We're supposed to have a prayer life. We're meant to have a prayer life, not a prayer time. It's supposed to be constantly before us, it's supposed to be ever with us. Because Jesus, what did he say? I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm just, he didn't say, I'm with you only when you got your coffee and your Bible. I'm only with you right then, Whatever time that is Tuesdays and every other Friday. I'm only there with you then. And I says, I'm with you always. So He's with us, even when we're not with Him, He's present with us, even when we're not present with Him. He's always there. Because again, I've said it many, many times. When Jonah finally turned back to the Lord, how far did he have to run to get back to God? He didn't have to run go anywhere. God was with him in the fish. God was already present. Jonah intended to present. So when Jesus, or when Paul said, pray without ceasing, Paul's speaking from experience. He's like, guys, I'm walking this, I know this. This is the only way you're going to make it. People are coming for you and they're gunning for you, and if people aren't safe, is the only way you're gonna make it is to continue to pray. Don't let the enemy trick you into stop praying or to hurry through praying, because hurry is the death of prayer. You gotta keep at it. You gotta push through it. And don't we'll stop. We gotta pray intentionally, pray honestly, and pray often. You say, okay, but. I'm you know, running all the time. Like, how, how can I pray? You know, see, how can I pray all the time? Like, am I supposed to like go to Walmart, pick up the macaroni and cheese, and, and, and pray while well, I pick up the macaroni and cheese? Yeah. What should look do? One more scripture. Last one. This guy something else. John chapter seventeen. <clears throat> see, John, we believe John wrote his gospel after all the other guys wrote their gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because John's got different stuff in his gospel that's in the others. We have a couple stories that are the same. But most stuff in John is different. because He said, you've already got that info. Let me give you some more info from somebody on the inside of Jesus. Um, and so up until John 17, his last two chapters is the upper room with Jesus. Jesus watches the disciples speak. Jesus, while he's in the upper room, Judas leaves. Jesus gives his disciples some specific and intentional teaching. And that's what those chapters are. And then at the end of chapter 17 into 18, Jesus is going to leave and go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to be arrested. uh, Where then they're going to take him and put him on trial and end up crucifying him. But in between that, Jesus is still in the upper room, but look what he does. He finishes his teaching. Look at John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. son I want you to at that. When Jesus had spoken these words, he said, Everybody pray with me, real quick. When Jesus had spoken these words, he got down on his knees and said, Okay, everybody, bow your heads. Now it just says, when Jesus had spoken to him, he finishes his teaching with the disciples, and he just goes, Father, he starts praying. Middle of the conference, the disciples don't know the teaching over. Jesus didn't say, okay, <laughs> teaching time's done, praying time's done. He just immediately looks up and starts praying. Without hesitation, without you know, any preamble to the people in the room. Because the prayer, again, isn't for the people in the room. The prayer is for God. And so he says, I'm talking to you now, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to you now. I'm talking to God. He just looks up and starts talking. Looks up and starts praying. Because at the end of that prayer, beginning of verse eight, uh, chapter 18, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out and the disciples across the bookkeeper where there was a garden. He changed the disciples' in. So all indication is he's in that up room and he just immediately starts praying. Now I knew a guy, Pastor Benifus, and that was his advice. You'd be in the middle of a conversation. Sometimes, <laughs> I've been co- in the middle of a sentence with him. He's talking, and he immediately said, like, he's saying, oh, this one day, oh, dear God, I'm ready that. That was his deal. He, every time, you're, he never would say, okay, let's no, pray.' good. he just started into it. Because as he was, if I'm to pray without ceasing, I'm always in a constant flow of prayer. I always need to be there to be ready. That means if you're in Walmart and God brings somebody to your mind, yeah, just pray over them. Your you're standing by the bananas and somebody's been spilling their guts Do you, pray over them by the bananas. Somebody's been walked by and say something under the breath. Keep praying. Pray for that person. Too. They need you. Pray anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Prayer isn't resigned to one specific place in one specific manner. You have to be in a specific posture. You have to use specific words. you got to use King James words because they go better than Jesus. You got No, you've got to use any. Speak to Jesus how you speak. Don't use magic, 10-dollar words that you only find on the SAT. If you don't use that word, don't use that word. Talk how you talk. Be you. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows your brain. He made it. He made your personality. Don't put on a front to Jesus. He can see right through you. Just be who you are. That's why I love David writing his songs. That's like his journal. And you see how sinful David is because some of the stuff you you read it. He said, Jesus kill him. Bury him alive. Oh, that I need to pray. Save my life. How would you like to have your journal out there now for millions of people for me? In all kinds of languages. Just be honest with Jesus. He knows what's there. But always, even in the honesty, come back to him. I need help. I know these thoughts are look in my brain, and I want <coughs> Jesus. I wasn't tired of slash, but I'm to die. but I even not a little bit, maybe. But I, I just, okay, Jesus, my heart's evil, and we got no I need to be able to give them grace. Give me grace. Always come back to Jesus. Always come back. Pray often. Pray everywhere. Pray with anybody and everybody. And so, here's a practice we're going to do. Last week, I challenged you to pick a scripture to get to meditate on it. If you're willing, continue that one person a day, give or take. But add this to it and pray to start. <laughs> Start three times a day and expand from there as need evening. Pray at 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 4 p.m. Four hours apart Evening, morning, and evening. Wherever you are, maybe set an alarm on I mean, your watch, on your phone, and just pray for yourself. Maybe what do you do? God's challenging you to be praying with the person you're with in that moment. You say, Oh, that makes me comfortable. <laughs> hey, pretty sure. I know I'm with, and I'm doing. That makes me very comfortable. That, that's weird. They're going to think I'm going you know, to... Yeah. Just try. It. For seven days. Just try it. Like, I challenged last week. that meditation Just try it seven days. Just, and, and see, now it's seven days have passed, you want to continue the meditation deal, continue. If you find it beneficial, continue. They're not to reach you. Just try it for seven days. and see if you can yeah, hold up, it's Sunday. 4 p.m., that's the Bill of game. I have trouble thinking of Jesus. You know, the rest of them, they're doing it. And playing the Packers in the playoffs. That's crypto kryptonite. I don't know if I'm going to be there in the mood to be playing for a year. Amen from the back of the room. Thank you. <laughs> Just try. 8 a.m., 4 p.m., 4 p.m. And now, if you try it, I'm going to be trying it with you. You're not going to do it by yourself. I'm going to set an alarm and be doing it every day between now and Sunday. And see what the Lord can do. We pick up the practice that David did. We pick up the practice that Jesus did. We pick up the practice that Peter did. And you pray in this way that Daniel did. And see what happens as you begin to pray often. And build up towards praying with Maybe you have the thought in your mind sometimes. You can get lost thinking about it, wondering why Almighty God would want to have a conversation with me. I know my brain, I know what I thinking about, I know my heart. Why would Almighty God, who created everything, want to have a conversation with any of us? But that's the whole thing. He created us to have a relationship with us. We messed it up with sin. The sin damages that relationship. But he knew that, so he came as Jesus and died so all our sins would be paid for, so we could have that relationship again. And he rose from the dead so we can go to heaven and we die, we have eternal life. He did that so the relationship would be fixed. And so if you're here in this room, this topsome, what, tile and floored room with tape for Wednesday night games, with speakers from the sanctuary, with cords we found in a room, with a soundboard box that has cobwebs and dead spiders in it. <laughs> and you need Jesus. I'm inviting you right now. Come Because whether we're in a big room with green carpet and pews, it's cold. Or we're in a room that I think right now is kind of hot. In a smorgasbord, chairs. Or we're outside where it's super cold. It's going to be even colder tomorrow and the day after that. Jesus is in every one of those places. And wherever you are, you need Jesus. So if you're in the room right now and you need Jesus, come to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online messages. It's funky. They're in the room. They got trees on the wall and things are crazy. You need Jesus too. If you're watching online messages right now, we'll get back to you in the next hour. You need Jesus, and so if you need Jesus right now, what we're going to do? The music team's going to come.
1: Jared's right back
0: there in that corner. I'll be right over here. And if you need to talk to somebody, you know what I'll, i will see you. There. Over here. If you need to talk to somebody, come and talk to one of us. If you want to know more about Jesus, you want to pray with somebody. You need to, you need to, I just need somebody to pray with me right now. I'm really going through this thing, and I want to do this prayer deal, but I'm kind of like Paul, and I'm begging God to take this thorn and flesh out. And I don't know what to do, and I need help. You need somebody to help, help you, and pray with you. We love to pray. Maybe you, maybe you want to join the church. It'd be baptized. We can do it. Actually, talk right now. We got to cranked up trying to get approval of Boy, that, We can baptize today. If you're you get out. If you're in there. Yeah, so if you want to be baptized, you can do it today, next week, week after that. If you want to uh, uh, just know more about Jesus, come and see one of us. You need a Bible we'll look you up. But um, we're going to pray for us. These team's going to come. you need to make a decision, come and make a decision.